Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, it's my mom. Mama. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Monday, February 12th. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and producer Gabby Burke in for Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I hope you had a great Super Bowl Sunday. And if you are a football fan, we'll be talking much more about the big game, uh, as uh, Glenn just reported, uh, coming up in a few moments. Uh, it was a great Friday and weekend for us as well here at Relevant Radio. I just want to first off, right off the bat, say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Relevant Radio family. It was the uh, perhaps the best give from the heart uh, winner pledge drive ever. Unbelievable heroic support. Thank you for allowing us to continue to bring Christ to the world through the media. Once again, we did reach our goal of $3 million on Friday of the Pledge Drive. In the final minutes of the Drew Mariani Show with Drew and uh, Vice President of Pro Programming, Josh Raymond, reacting. We have a donor, uh, somebody who's listening out in Avon, Minnesota, Thank made a pledge so much for of $15,000, which wow. not only helped us just barely push through, but we just blasted through the wow. finish line there. Thank God. Wow. Hey, uh, whoever you are. Thank you. I want to thank everyone who is donating in this winter pledge drive. You are you're saving souls. You know, Josh, you were talking a little bit just a moment ago about that woman who says I was going to hell. Right. Uh, one of my favorite testimonies. We had a father, or we had Peter Grandish call yesterday and talk about a woman who's going to kill herself in the desert, but found relevant radio. She her voice. Uh, then we also had that testimony you shared of a man who's been away from the confessional for forty eight years. Forty eight years. That's what relevant radio is all about. That's what we're about. It's not about lights. It's not about microphones. It's about the salvation of souls. That's what this work is about. That a baby drew. It was so exciting. And uh, I also want to say here this morning, happy birthday uh, to our leader, uh, Relevant Radio's VP of Programming, Josh Raymond, uh, who is celebrating a big uh, beat day today. All right, big boy. And uh, we did it uh, with uh, your amazing support uh, once again through, no doubt, the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, Our Lady of Lourdes, whose feast day was yesterday. Here's the happy totals. Uh, $3 million, uh, nearly $194,000 from almost 14,000 donations uh, from you, our relevant radio family, with an average gift amount of $229. And as promised, I bought two dozen roses for Our Lady of Lourdes for reaching our goals here on Morning Air during the 6 and 7 a.m. hour. In fact, uh, Glenn, I ended up buying four dozen roses, uh, two for Our Lady, one for my wife, Cindy, and one for my mom uh, for Valentine's Aww. Day. There you go. What a nice and romantic gentleman you are, John. Good oh, job. my goodness. Yes. It, 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 this was really, uh, it, you know, the excitement began with us here at Relevant Radio on Friday. And before we talk about the big Super Bowl uh, win for the Chiefs, um, again, you know, I, I just feel so, so... Uh, 
happy and just so um, appreciative inside for the amazing support uh, of of our listeners uh, throughout the entire network and also uh, here on Morning Air, Glenn. Oh, it was a wonderful pledge drive, uh, as so many of them are. We thank you so much for your generosity. Again, uh, uh, almost uh, 14,000 gifts coming in. And uh, thank you so much to the great audience that we have at Relevant Radio to help us to keep going strong for three more months. Now, some of the pledge drive language we used last week, don't worry, we're we're into regular mode again here, and we get to keep doing that for another three months. Thanks to your great and generous support. Coming down to the wire in the true Catholic fashion, right? Uh, last minute, but always showing up, as Father Rocky says, and people showed up in a in a big way and a great tip of the hat to that wonderful gift from Avon, Minnesota, about 25 miles up the freeway from me. So uh, way to go, uh, my neighborhood and <laughs> coming through but it was hey, thanks awesome to one and all around the country yeah it, it really was it was just a, a great moment i love playing the highlight of uh, uh drew and his team uh, crossing the finish line every time because uh you know that that is just uh, what we're all about you know it's not where you start it's where you finish just like we'll see in the super bowl that the same idea applies and just like it applies in the spiritual life uh, as well our morning air team uh, was tremendous. Uh, on Friday, we had uh, 509 gifts for uh, n- nearly $98,000. So that was a, a fantastic show of support uh, from our listeners uh, they, that are with us. All you early birds uh, here uh, day in and day out. But I really appreciate the support that, that you showed on Friday. And every single one of you uh, is so important to our mission, whether it's big or small. Your gift is making a difference, as I like to say, for time and for eternity. So once again, thank you, uh, Morning Air family. Uh, I absolutely uh, love you guys. Now, in case for whatever reason you missed uh, last week's uh, pledge party, uh, you can still give from the heart and make a tax-deductible donation by uh, calling 877-291-0123, or you can give online at relevantradio.com or make a pledge through the Relevant Radio app. All right, um, let's uh, shift gears and talk about the, the big game. Uh, Glenn, what what a game. Perhaps a, a classic, one of the all-time great Super Bowls. Yeah, back and forth battle uh, went uh, down to the wire into overtime. And, oh, you got a feel for the San Francisco fans. Uh, it was so close. They had the lead. But Patrick Mahomes, three-time MVP of the Super Bowl, came back in that game-winning drive at the very end. And uh, you'd liken him off the air to to Michael Jordan, you know, with the ball in his hands. Uh, it's not over until uh, <laughs> he says it's over, pretty much. Absolutely. And, uh, this year for Kansas City, the defense was a big part of uh, what made them winners. A little different than some other years, but the Mahomes magic is still there. Travis Kelsey frustrated early in the game, taking it out on his coach on the sidelines there, but he had a pretty big fourth quarter to uh, get things within striking distance. Again, it's not where you start, it's where you finish, and the, the Chiefs uh, it got it done, and they are now officially a dynasty. After uh, becoming back-to-back Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs defending their title, coming from behind in overtime to beat the San Francisco 49ers uh, by a final of 25-22 in Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. The Niners uh, took the lead in the overtime after uh, kicking a 27-yard field goal. And then Patrick Mahomes led the Chiefs down the field and found uh, Mercole Hardman with a three-yard touchdown pass for the game-winning score as Hurd on Westwood One and CBS. First and go at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. 
in the shotgun Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver in motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! The entire bench empties! Chasing Mahomes in the end zone! Their third Super Bowl in five years! The Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions! It is a dynasty! The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 58, 25-22 in overtime. It means a ton. Just the adversity we dealt through, dealt with this year, and the come through, the guys never faltered. I was not giving God the glory, man. He, he challenged us to make us better, and I'm proud of my guys, man. This is awesome. It's legendary. And Glenn, uh, Superman, Patrick Mahomes, of course, was named the uh, MVP, the most valuable player for the first third time in his career. He, he finished with 333 yards, two touchdown passes, and a pick. The Chiefs beca- become uh, the first team uh, in the NFL to win back-to-back Super Bowls since the New England Patriots and Tom Brady did it back in 2003 and 2004. And uh, what an ending. It was absolutely amazing. They've now won three Super Bowls in the last five years uh, for Casey. Oh, yeah, just amazing. And uh, we always marvel at the work of Kevin Harlan, the announcer on Westwood One there, who started his NFL play-by-play career almost 40 years ago with the Chiefs and uh, held that job for several years in Kansas City. They'll be celebrating Wednesday in Kansas City. That's when the Super Bowl parade happens, John. That is absolutely awesome. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, our friend uh, uh, Harrison Butker, uh, the great field goal kicker of, uh, for the Chiefs, uh, was a big part uh, of, of the win. With f- He was 4-for-4, four four, including uh, the longest field goal in the history of the NFL. He kicked it from 57 yards out uh, which is a record. So big night for him, big night for for the Chiefs. And uh, Peter Atkinson, our uh, director of the Merry Beggars, uh, the entertainment arm of Relevant Radio, will be with us uh, in hour number two to talk about the entertainment side of Super Bowl 58. But uh, what a game. Uh, I didn't get my normal sleep, Glenn. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's okay, John. We didn't expect that you would, and we didn't expect that would uh, hinder your energy this morning either. Well, I'm uh, I'm running on fumes, but uh, I, I'm here and uh, just happy to be able to talk about our pledge drive and um, one of the greatest uh, Super Bowl finishes uh, in recent memory. As always, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, John. First things first, we always start every morning, always in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all of the many blessings, including a great pledge drive, and we continue to pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. And on Mondays, we always pray for the souls in purgatory of our relatives and our loved ones. And of course, we continue to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East, in Ukraine, and peace in our nation, our church, and our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. 
Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, a patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life uh, this morning is from John 17, 20 and 21. Our Lord Jesus Christ prayed for unity when he prayed, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Our Lord Jesus Christ prays not only for the apostles, but he also prayed for all of us who would eventually hear the gospel through their preaching. Jesus prays so that the world may know that the Father has sent Jesus. We need to pray for Christian unity and continue to pray so that um, all Christians may come to know uh, that God the Father sent Jesus the Lord and his love to every one of us. And we always pray with great confidence that powerful prayer from uh, the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a short pause when morning air continues. Uh, uh, Damon Owens, the co-founder and executive uh, director of Joyful Ever After, will be with us to talk about National Marriage Week and how marriage uh, revival is actually Eucharistic revival. So uh, stay with us. We are just warming up here on this uh, Monday edition of Morning Air as uh, we roll on here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Looking at life from a Catholic worldview, this is Morning Air. Good morning, Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Gabby. And for Sarah this morning, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. It's really good to be with you on this Monday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can always send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. You can find us also on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. And uh, jot down our number and save it in your phone if you want to be part of the program. It's 888 Now, how many of you know that we are in the midst of National Marriage Week? Marriage is so instrumental in our society and in our Catholic Church, and uh, it is constantly uh, being attacked uh, in recent uh, years. In fact, the vocation of marriage is not the only path where many of us are called to live, but it's also the root of uh, vocations to the priesthood and to consecrated life. So the big question this morning, uh, does your marriage need a revival? Joining us live this morning from Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, is international speaker and evangelist Damon Owens to talk about National Marriage Week 
and how a marital revival is actually a Eucharistic revival. Uh, Damon Owens is the executive director of Joyful Ever Actor. and uh, the National Parish Engagement Officer for Communio.org. He was the first executive director of the Theology of the Body Institute and has dedicated three decades to helping couples get the marriage they want from the marriage that they have. Good morning, Damon. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, It's great to be with you once again. Always, always wonderful. Thanks for the shout-out to Kennett Square. They're going to love that. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Hey, so let me ask you something. Did you and Melanie uh, uh, watch the Super Bowl together as a couple? Plus all overtime. We sure did. We were, the kids, you know, I'm not even sure how much they're into into football, the more basketball players, but that game was just what an entertaining game. Yes, we, we watched the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh, my wife didn't make it to the overtime. She passed out and went to sleep, <laughs> and I had to wake her up and tell her it's over. <laughs> it was uh, it was quite— Let's go to bed. Great. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, she went to bed with the dog, so she missed the, the dramatic <laughs> ending. She missed Patrick Mahomes doing his Michael Jordan impersonation. It was really just amazing, you know, and, and I'm, I know every year in the Super Bowl, the, the bishops, in this case the archbishops, have their little friendly— wager back and forth but they've got lots to talk about in terms of that game just very it was beautiful and how classic absolutely uh well you know a lot of folks aren't uh, aware that uh we're in the midst of national marriage week and in fact uh, yesterday was a world marriage day um can you talk a little bit about why it's so important to uh, support and promote marriage and the family especially nowadays uh, when uh, both seem to be under attack Oh, absolutely. You know, I shared this with um, Melanie. I had the privilege over the weekend to be with um, a couple dozen couples all day, retreat, really getting into the depth of of their marriages, not just the concept or the cultural impact. But one of the things I did share was that is that, you know, when we work on our marriage, when we choose to marry, when we work through struggles, when we share ourselves with other couples, the, the lived reality of marriage has such a radiation that it moves literally through all the foundations and really the atmosphere of, of a culture. What do I mean? That a, a joyful marriage, a faithful marriage, uh, is the place that God from the beginning uh, chose to be where we become fully human. Think about marriage existing before the church, <laughs> marriage existing before government, marriage existing even before any broader community. It's the original community. So without being you know, overly nostalgic or you know, technical in terms of the data or even fatalistic, in the radical, huge decline in marriage since 2000, some 31%, we need to recognize the power that God ordained in the, in the reality of what marriage is, that our marriage is worth it, that learning to love, learning what communion is, to be in union with another person, this is what gives us the ability to desire that ultimate union with God, which is why, as you hinted at in the, in the title here, I'll be sharing at the National Eucharistic Congress how marital revival is Eucharistic revival. It's the lived experience of being in communion, pledging ourselves, entrusting ourselves, willing the good of a particular other. And it turns out it's life-giving, radiating all the way through human culture. Well, that is a fantastic uh, theme that you're going to be speaking uh, uh, about. Uh, I can't, we're, can't wait to hear your speech uh, at the, uh, the <laughs> National Eucharistic Congress coming up here uh, this summer uh, in, in July, ironically, in an NFL stadium. How about that? Yeah. No, the, the, it's, I'm really excited because, you know, these big events, 
whether it's the World Meeting of Families we hosted here in Philadelphia or others or, you know, National the Youth uh, NCYC or, you know, SEEK. These big events where Catholics come together, they carry with them unexpected uh, joys, unexpected encounters. And it's not so much the difficulty or the cost or the, you know, the logistics of getting one of these events together. Those are real. Trust me. I know as a big family. But to this day, some of the encounters that my kids had at the World Media Families in 2015 uh, and some of these big events around the country, these are things that, that built upon the home life, built upon their experience here in the family and their struggle and decisions about Christ uh, are, are in, irreplaceable. They're just irreplaceable. So I'm excited also mostly just to be around other families and people who want to know and to love Christ. But the real joy is around helping couples to live the marriage, as we say, get the marriage you want from the marriage that you have. That's a real rooted but aspirational reality that involves the heart, our expectations, our hopes. But it also says we've got big, big problems uh, in the culture, in the place where we're supposed to become human. And if we start to lose the power of marriage in the broader culture, not only does it become harder for us to live it on our own, but it really becomes harder to proclaim the gospel. Well, as I, as I mentioned, uh, we're in the midst of uh, National Marriage Week, and uh, I, I love the theme. Uh, it's love beyond words. Y- yeah. Your thoughts <laughs> on, on the theme for this year? They always come up with such great titles and reminders. You know, uh, love very much has to be redeemed in our culture. People use that word for some of the most evil things, uh, evil acts, and evil. Uh, justifications, but love beyond words gets at that reality that uh, love is not words; it's or sweet words. It's deeds. It's this it's, again to communion. It's willing the good of another, the other receiving and entrusting themselves to us and that good. This explains Adam and Eve in Genesis two. It explains uh, the the experiences of even broken marriages in the Old Testament what St. Paul was getting at in Ephesians, particularly chapter 5, verse 21 to 33, about how we restore that communion. And most importantly, it gives us the, the glimpse of the end, of, the, of understanding what it means to be an eternal communion with Christ that the, the uh, John was getting at in the last book of the New Testament in Revelation. So marriage not just permeates the scripture, the salvation story, creation, fall, redemption. It actually is a lens to understand it. So yeah, this, this, this reality of marriage becomes something that is, it's tangible. We can see, smell, hear, taste, touch it when we are married, but also becomes a sign, a sign to the world that if we can do this in our brokenness, my Lord, what does the Lord have ready for us for eternity if we say yes? I want to talk uh, about this connection between uh, the the Holy Eucharist and marriage, but first uh, I want to invite uh, our listeners, if you have any thoughts on the need for a marriage revival in your marriage or or the power of the Eucharist uh, to strengthen your marriage, we'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Damon Owens, the co-founder and executive director of Joyful Ever After at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. there are many connections between the, the Holy Eucharist and, and marriage. Can you share a, a few that I'm sure you'll be uh, talking about in Indy this summer? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting that um, you can take, as I say other times, you can, you can take any of the logies, you know, sociology, theology, psychology, uh, you know, any of these, and you, you can meditate on the power 
of of what marriage is in terms of of uh, the connection with the Eucharist, and the really is is this word communion. I think that's the thread that 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 connects it. It's a peculiarly Catholic word. You know, not even our Christian brothers, you know, evangelical or Protestant, use it often. It's peculiarly Catholic because in our faith, our sacramental expression, the church we've been given, we have this this line between two distinctions of, you know, the what we see, smell, hear, taste, touch, you know, that sensual, lived, material world that God created, but he created it in the midst of the real, real, the spiritual world that is, when we have the eyes, is always visible. So the Eucharist, God's great gift of making himself always present to us, not in some objective, uh, cold relation way, like I'm the boss, I'm the master. He gave us himself as food to eat. So then when we, when we receive the Lord, body, soul, divinity, uh, blood, we, we receive the totality of God in the sacramental union. Somehow, mysteriously, we don't get annihilated. Somehow, mysteriously, we're not cannibals eating God. But we receive God so intimately, so fully, that it actually transforms us. He transforms us. You know, and with regular food, we consume it and, you know, we transform it or it 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 brings itself into into us. Uh, with the Eucharist, it's our step, our lean, our nod toward becoming Christ. You know, so that consuming of God is a concept that has been a stumbling block, but also a stepping stone. So is marriage. The idea that somehow you could pledge yourself to another person out of your control with time, emotion, circumstances, and the gift that you pledge at the altar, the, the exalted pledge that's made at the altar, is that I am yours and you are mine. As a body-soul composite, I make this gift and the pledge that I receive you, I entrust myself to you. And we as Christians lay that promise at the feet of God and say, Lord, you can do what I cannot do. And then we live it and we end up hurting each other. We end up fa falling short of the pledge. And we say, what do we do? We begin and we begin again. Melanie, in my case, Melanie, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. Uh, you know, But it's all about restoring the communion so that we can see differently, smell, taste, touch, live as a human. So I think the connection of revival is literally reviva. It's new life. It's beginning and beginning again. And the live tangible experience of a husband and a wife living that gives us the preparation, the foundation, and the nature, if you will, that grace builds on for us to live more humanly. It's just, the connections are just really astounding when we take the time to meditate and ponder. And this communion uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ truly present in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, mm -hmm. It reminds me of the of the late great Archbishop Fulton Sheen who wrote a book, uh, <laughs> It Takes Three to Get Married. Uh, you know, yeah. the husband, the wife, and then our Lord. Yes, yes. You know, that's one of the books for years, decades. We were promoting with our with our young couples. But in honesty, it's one of those books that I I've, I've never been able to read it from cover to cover. It's like a meditative book. You read a chapter, sometimes even a paragraph, and it, for me, it's just enough. And I just, oh, put it down until the next time because it, it, it invites you, the book there, uh, Three to Get Married, it invites you to not just look with, with natural eyes, but to use what you see in the nature to see the supernatural. 
And when you do that, it's like, it's, it's almost too much. You go, oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. And then you come back for some more. And that, you know, that, that really is even in difficult marriages, the reality, because it's never always bad. It's never always, you know, great, good. It's this ebb and flow of giving and receiving, of falling and getting back up. And again, there's the parallel to the Christian life. We have the sacrament of confession that we begin and begin again. We have the Eucharist where we restore the intimate flesh communion with God. We have marital uh, intimacy where we can look into one each other's eyes and, and to see the good, the bad, the ugly and say, you're mine. I love you. I'm here irreplaceably for you. And we begin again. So that, that and, and of course, looking at, at, at heaven, eternal union, as being a wedding feast, <laughs> as we've made as church the eternal communion with the bridegroom, Christ, and from then eternity, God willing, when the Father looks upon the Son, looks upon us, He sees the Son. So there's there's just a way of not just enduring, not just preventing divorce, not just trying to be happy here on earth, but being part of that irreplaceable plan that God's given us. Damon, I could listen to you all day long talk about marriage. <laughs> you know, it occurred to me, you know, has anybody ever called you a marriageologist? Oh, no, but please feel free. You've got the platform. <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> just that, explain that it. was that was it just that <laughs> thought just came to me from above. I know we've heard of of mariologists, you know, that specialize in our blessed mother. I know you've been studying marriage for uh, for such a long time and 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 sharing the beauty of it with so many people and uh, trying to live it. And living it for almost what <laughs> uh, almost 30 years you and Melanie? 31 years this oh, year. Oh my yeah, goodness. 31. Oh, well, Praise the Lord. congratulations uh, to, to you. Um, thank you uh, so much uh, for, for your uh, perspective. Uh, yeah, a quick thought here as we approach yeah. uh, Valentine's Day uh, on mm. how to show that love uh, to our sweetie. And, of course, a little bit of a challenge because it falls on Ash Wednesday this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I we were actually moving some of our celebrating things to tomorrow night. We're going to make it a nice fat Tuesday with my beautiful New Orleans bride, but I there's, love a it. Great, uh, there's a great celebration again, moving into Wednesday. And again, without being morbid, without being, you know, dour at all, just recognizing there's so many things that we moved to be able to love my Melanie more. There are things that I need to purge and that, that purgation gives a light, uh, that, that illumination and then the union, <clears throat> excuse me, the union. So, um, you know, we, we very much want to take a pause and we have to be very intentional about it. Uh, to, you know, whether it's food, whether it's activity, whether it is um, just distractions, purging those things for this Wednesday, this Ask Wednesday, remembering from dust we've come and to dust we'll return, and really allowing that to be a chance for us to to begin again in our marriage, even, you know, entering our, our fourth decade here. Uh, we have so much to learn about love, about each other, about the Lord. So I'm actually seeing the Lord in this this coincidence, right? This co between uh, Ash Wednesday and uh, and Valentine's Day. So may the love of God per permeate, you know, our desire to love each other. Better. Oh yeah, for sure. We've we've got the I got the roses and uh, the lava yeah. cakes and everything ready to go for Fat <laughs> Tuesday night. We will there you go. We will celebrate uh, in anticipation of uh, Valentine's Day. So uh, I, I really appreciate it. you being with us, uh, Damon. As always, it's always a joy to be with you. 
Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. And for much more, you can go to joyfuleverafter.org. Damon Owens, uh, international speaker and evangelist and the co-founder and executive director of Joyful Ever After. We need to take a short break. Uh, When Morning Air continues, a Catholic author and speaker, Emily Geminet, will join us to talk heart to heart about deepening your bond with Jesus for fulfilling relationships with others. So stay with us uh, on this uh, Monday morning. We are continuing to warm up here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul II, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the Infant Child of Prague. Seats are limited. For information, go to relevantradio.com slash Poland. That's relevantradio.com slash Poland. Looking at life from a Catholic worldview, this is Morning Air. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you once again in case you are just joining us and uh, did not hear the beginning of the show. Uh, we had perhaps the best ever Give From the Heart winner pledge drive last week. It was absolutely uh, amazing. We made our goal of $3 million on Friday afternoon in the final half hour of the pledge drive during the Drew Mariani show. I think it was at about uh, 4.30 in the afternoon, and uh, we made it with your amazing uh, support, uh, and no doubt through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, Our Lady of Lourdes, and once again, I uh, was uh, so happy to, to buy uh, two dozen roses for Our Lady as promise for reaching our goals uh, early in the morning here on Morning Air. Here are the happy totals uh, for our relevant radio pledge drive last week. Uh, we raised uh, over $3 million, um, nearly $194,000 uh, from almost 14,000 donations from you, our relevant radio family, uh, with an average gift amount of $229. So every single one of you is so important uh, to our mission, and I so much appreciate it. If for whatever reason you missed last week's, last week's uh, pledge uh, drive, uh, you can still make uh, a tax-deductible uh, donation by calling uh, 877-291-0123, or uh, you can uh, give online at relevantradio.com, or you can make a pledge through uh, the Relevant Radio app. So uh, again, uh, just uh, thank you so much to every single one of you. Our email, uh, as always, it's morningair at relevantradio.com. If you have any thoughts, anything you want to share with us, uh, maybe why you contributed uh, to the pledge drive last week, we'd love to hear from you. Now, this year, uh, something unique happens in our church calendar. Uh, Valentine's Day falls on Ash Wednesday, uh, something that we just talked about uh, in the previous segment uh, with Dave. 
Damon. Um, our next guest finds that it is very fitting that these two holidays come crashing together uh, this year. Joining us live is Morning Air regular contributor Emily Jaminet to share five simple but life-changing tips to help us grow closer uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ and strengthen our relationships. Emily Jaminet is a Catholic author, speaker, a radio personality, wife, podcaster, and a mother of seven children. She's also the executive director of WelcomeHisHeart.com. Uh, she's also an author of several books, including her latest book uh, that uh, came out not too long ago, Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. Good morning, Emily. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again. Well, good morning. It's sure great to be here. And, you know, as I think about Valentine's Day and Lent, first I think about Valent time. <laughs> there, it's the, the two words, Valentine's and Lent, can come together. But now is the time to really focus on, you know, what the Lord is inviting us to do. And that's first and foremost, develop a deeper relationship with Him and then allow that relationship to impact those around us so that our relationships improve. I think that's for me, really important that I don't just grow holy in a little silo. Uh, for me, as a mom of seven, and they're involved in my community, that my friendships improve, my relationships improve, and that as we journey through Lent, we see that improvement. So, the first and foremost, you know, I think what can we do? We can pray for others. I think that's really, really important. That our Lent isn't just about ourselves, but that we go outside of ourselves. We say, who needs prayer? Who needs? that constant witness and, and really invited into um, really the conversion process. No question about it. Uh, you know, praying for others is uh, is is a fantastic uh, tip, and I think it, it takes you out of oneself and uh, and and makes you think about others. Um, and and I, and I think that if we can develop that habit, uh, that would be that would be uh, something really good to do here uh, during this Lenten season. Which I, I love to to think of Lent as a, as an opportunity to really grow closer to our Lord uh, at the heart level. That which is really what he wants. He wants us to change our hearts, to to let our hearts grow closer to his heart. That's why we talk about a heart-to-heart chat with Jesus. Yes, and he is the king of all hearts. So hearts and homes. And, you know, one thing I love to look at is how Jesus treats others. You know, the friendships he has with his disciples, with Mary, with Martha, with Lazarus, you know, how he is so kind and one of my favorite kind of taglines that have I really adapted in my own life is uh, a, a beautiful, wonderful priest, Father Mateo, shared uh, about 100 years ago, you know, make your home another Bethany. Make your home a place of warmth and hospitality where Jesus would feel comfortable to walk in at any time. And sometimes we can think about maybe we're feeling like, oh, I'm doing great spiritual progress, but maybe our home is the first place that needs to really be converted and where the heart of Christ can be present, where love can really reign and, and be ever, you know, ever welcome. And then other people also feel welcome that we are open to hospitality. And and there's so many people uh, that have so many needs. Uh, you know, people go through such uh, difficult uh, times that when we pray for them, we're, we're helping them uh, spiritually, but we're also helping ourselves spiritually. We are. And one of my friends told me that what she did during Lent is she took her parish calendar that she received at the beginning of the year, and she wrote a different person's name on every single day of Lent. And she said that it made fasting easier. It made going through 
way easier knowing that she was going to offer her rosary for that person. She was going to pray for that person. And, you know, one of my favorite additional quotes is from St. Augustine, who said, in this world, two things are essential, life and friendship. Both should be highly prized, and we must not undervalue them. Life and friendship are nature's gifts. So, you know, what a reminder that our faith is meant to allow Jesus to conquer our hearts, to be the king of our hearts, but then also to influence others. And to pr- beginning with prayer is, is first and foremost um, just such a beautiful gift to give our friends and those we love. All right. I know you have uh, many tips to share with us. What would be the second uh, tip to help us grow closer uh, to Christ and, and to strengthen our relationships here uh, during this Lenten season? Well, everything that is important needs to be planned. So I would say as we anticipate Lent, you know, what is a great work of mercy that you could get involved in, right, in your own parish, your community? You know, maybe there's a need that out of prayer has come on heavy on your heart, such as, you know, the, the works of mercy of getting involved in the pro-life movement, getting involved in supporting your local Catholic radio station, getting involved. You know, there's so many wonderful things that we can do with not only, um, you know, with, with really utilizing our time or our talent. So, you know, those are big works of mercy, but also inviting others to help you as well. Sometimes we think works of mercy have to be about ourselves, but a lot of times it's just coordinating, you know, here's something I want to do. Would anyone else like to join me? So this is a great season to get involved and to make a difference. Visiting someone in a hospital uh, that maybe doesn't have anyone to visit them or uh, just picking up the phone and calling a friend that you haven't talked to in in a long time, this uh, can actually uh, be a work of mercy. It really can. You know, even just packing up a nice uh, dinner for a local you know person that maybe lives at the end of your street, a shut-in that, you know, doesn't have a lot of family, how much would they appreciate uh, a nice warm of hot, nice bowl of hot soup? But these little actions, sometimes we can think are too small, but the truth is they can make a huge difference. And these works of mercies are, are, are wonderful when they're big, but also the little tasks of offering up, such as packing your spouse's, you know, breakfast or lunch with without really doing it for um, the attention, but really out of service and love. So there's many little tasks we can do in our house or big tasks outside of our houses as well. Wow. Uh, if my wife is listening, I know she she packs a little lunch uh, package for me every day, and uh, whether it's Lent or not. Oh, that's a good, that's a good wife. I, I appreciate that. As I just packed uh, all my kids' lunches. They ran out the door. But, you know, making sure we do it with the right attitude as well. And Lent's a great season to evaluate you know, how can I, how can I do this with more charity in my heart? And that leads to the next point, you know, making our heart like Christ. And Jesus tells us right in scripture that his heart is meek and humble. So if we want to do the works of mercy. If we want to serve others, if we want to cultivate great relationships with the people in our life, we need to make sure our heart is in check like his. So focusing on being more meek, being more humble so that the Lord can shine and be the light in, in our life. And this is something that's sometimes hard, but I have to say, John, you know, even just saying I'm sorry to those that we've hurt and offended, I promise you will bear so much beautiful fruit. And Emily, this is a, a reminder of uh, humility. It takes humility to, to acknowledge when, when you've messed up and you have to ask for forgiveness. It is. And a lot of times, you know, we see families that go 
possibly, you know, days, months, years without this type of reconciliation. And I think that Lent is the perfect season to do the inner glance. And as you know, a lot of times I'm on talking about the sacred heart of Jesus, talking about allowing his heart to reign in our hearts and our homes. So the simple prayer, you know, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto thine. Continuing to say that prayer day in and day out and inviting him to give you the grace that you can change, have a greater perspective of where your heart's at, and allowing him to, to really um, give you the grace for repairing these relationships. It's, a, it's such a, a beautiful idea, because really, this is what it's all about. Uh, Jesus wants our heart. He wants us at the heart level. He wants us to thirst for him from the heart, not just going through the motions and not just giving up chocolate for Lent. You know, I agree. As a mom of seven, it would be very easy for me to just think it's about just giving up chocolate, but it's a season of growth within our own hearts and then with those around us. And I think that perfectly leads to our next point is I have to say that manners matter. And I know that might sound a little silly as we're talking about growing in our faith and and giving our heart to Jesus, but maybe we just need to reevaluate. Am I saying please? Am I saying thank you? to the people that are serving and attending to me throughout the day? Am I reminding the children in my life or the grandchildren in my life, you know, when you finish driving them to a sporting event, it's okay to encourage them to acknowledge the gift that was given, the gift of self, the gift of driving and transporting, because that's how we train the next generation. So I think that manners matter is two points. You know, first we do a look at, am I being, am I using good manners? but then also encouraging and reminding those that we're helping to shape and form for the future, you know, the importance of manners as well. What we call an attitude of gratitude. You know, every, everything's a gift and we should say uh, thank you um, when we have to. We should, you know, one of the things I was reflecting on my own Lent, you know, what am I going to do, Lord? I'm going to make a visit. You know, my goal is to make a visit every day to the Blessed Sacrament so that I can say thank you. You know, a lot of times as a busy mom, I sit in that parking lot at three o'clock thinking about, you know, the next things I have to do. Why not go in and thank the Lord right before the kids get out of school and say, you know, thank you, Jesus. Give me the grace to have, you know, a heart like yours, to be meek and humble and to to see you in my life. I I think saying thank you to our Lord and then um, making sure that we encourage others is really important. And those little visits uh, to our Lord in front of the Blessed Sacrament, they, they could be they could be 60 seconds, just a quick genuflection and uh, thank you, Jesus, for whatever blessing it is that you uh, appreciate. Isn't that going to be great? I was thinking the exact same thing. And yes, of course, going to daily Mass, if you can go, absolutely, that's a wonderful thing to do. But why don't we all just focus on, you know, giving Jesus the attention that, that he so longs to pour out his love upon us. And Next, I want to share that, you know, I do this fun little thing where it's called Friendship Friday. I wrote about it in my book, The Friendship Project. But on Friday, you know, I first and foremost during Lent, we think about, you know, the the Good Friday. We think about Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's also a great reminder to think about those who we are walking along this journey with, making time for our spiritual friends. So who in our life, you know, do we need to pray for, visit, encourage? You know, make sure Fridays um, also include a component of friendship as well. 
It's a it's a beautiful thing, and and of course uh, we offer it up during uh, this uh, season of Lent. Uh, unite uh, our little sacrifices with those of our Lord Jesus Christ with the big sacrifice. Um, Emily, as always, uh, really appreciate you you being with us. Uh, great, great tips uh, for, for all of us. Well, thank you. And if you want to pick up these tips, learn more, visit emilyjaminette.com. As always, uh, thanks so much. Uh, Morning Air contributor Emily Gemini, the executive director of WelcomeHisHeart.com as well. And now it is time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called The Bridge Keeper. There once was a bridge which spanned a large river. During most of the day, the bridge sat with its length running up and down the river parallel with the banks, allowing ships to pass through freely on both sides of the bridge. But at certain times each day, a train would come along the bridge, and the bridge would be turned sideways across the river, allowing the train to cross. A switchman sat in a small shack on one side of the river where he operated the controls to turn the bridge and lock it into place for trains to cross. One evening, the switchman was waiting for the last train of the day to come when, through the dimming twilight, he caught sight of the train lights. He stepped to the controls, and when the train was within a prescribed distance, he turned the bridge into position. Although to his astonishment, he found the locking control was not working. If the bridge was not locked into position, it would wobble back and forth at the ends and cause the train to jump the track and go crashing into the river. This would be a passenger train with many people aboard. He left the bridge, turned across the river, and he hurried across the bridge to the other side of the river where there was a control lever he could operate manually to lock the bridge in place. He'd have to hold the lever back firmly as the train crossed. He could hear the rumble of the train, and he took hold of the lever and leaned backward to apply his weight to it, locking the bridge. He kept applying the pressure to keep the mechanism locked. Many lives depended on this man's strength. Then, from the direction of his control shack, across the bridge, he heard a sound that made his blood run cold. Daddy, where are you? It was his four-year-old son crossing the bridge to look for him. His first impulse was to cry out to the child, run, run, but the train was too close. The tiny legs would never make it across the bridge in time. In the same instant, he almost left the lever to run and snatch up his son and carry him to safety. But he realized he could not get back to the lever in time for the train to pass safely. Either the people on the train or his little son would have to die. It took a moment to make his decision. The train sped safely and swiftly on its way. No one on board was even aware of the tiny broken body thrown mercilessly into the river by the onrushing train. Nor were they aware of the pitiful figure of the sobbing man still clinging tightly to the locking lever long after the train had passed. Neither did they see him walking home more slowly than he ever had walked before to tell his wife how they'd lost their son. As we comprehend what this experience must have meant to this man and how it affected him, we begin to realize what our Father in Heaven must have had to endure when he sacrificed his son, the most innocent man ever, to the bridge, to bridge the gap between us and eternal life. Can there be any wonder that he caused the earth to tremble and the skies to darken when his son was crucified? And how it must affect him when we speed along through life with little thought or appreciation for that sacrifice. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? 
As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, the pastor of St. Isaac Jogues Parish in Hinsdale, Illinois, will be with us uh, to continue his B-Form series to talk about the connection between our Blessed Mother Mary and the Holy Eucharist. Plus, Peter Atkinson, the director of the Mary Beggars, the entertainment division of Relevant Radio, he will join us uh, in studio to discuss the commercials and the halftime show of Super Bowl 50. So stay with us. There's much more to come in our number two on this Monday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.